I think we've lost you there, Kat. Um, no, I just stopped talking. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Hi, this is Steve, a.k.a. at Orlanthar on Twitter, and here are some more of my gaming vexes. Shall we do the traditional round of introductions? Um, hi, I'm Kat. Um, I'm at Mirf Beer on Twitter. Yep, I'm, uh, well, I'm Dave. At Dave Patters on uh, Twitter. Yeah, I'm Rick Knott, Boulevardier, and <laughs> at Lynn Tillers. What's a Boulevardier? I, t- I, t- I think it's a man about <laughs> <laughs> it's a trying to push, but a, a gentleman of the road. <laughs> <laughs> and last but no means least. Yep, hello, uh, Martin. Uh, Mcookie123 on Twitter. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So our topic this evening was humour in tabletop role playing games, which is a bit of a, a left field one, but I think it was one that you brought up originally, Dave, that you threw in as uh, something to, for discussion. I suppose what prompted that thought from you? Well, I don't know. It, it seemed you know, there were lots of people getting very, very serious, particularly on Twitter, about what you could and couldn't do within role-playing sessions going on. I just thought well, it's a major part of all the games that we get involved Play and in. Enjoy. I think the, the original reason for sort of saying, look, you know, why don't we have a look at it as a, as a term? We had, I had uh, a couple of people was horrified. I'd posted something that I thought was quite funny and, and was a funny episode within A Call of Cthulhu and A Down Darker Trails. Okay. What happened? What was the occurrence? Well, as we all know, F-Side Games, Ed Keir, yeah. uh, for the fourth time in a row, his character had a bout of insanity in a down darker trail thing and he went insane and because it was a sort of a, a flashback to his character had been in the charge of the light brigade he decided he shouted charge and leapt out of a window okay which was at the time clearly very funny yeah, yeah. less so now as i'm relaying it to you but, <laughs> and to everybody in the game it was very funny yeah. but you know it was how far could you take that so what was the feedback that you had was it around because it was to do with, was, with was, mental health issues yeah yeah, is okay. it, do do you find that sort of thing funny? And it was well, you know, in the context of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I wasn't mocking anybody for you know, no, no, far from it. But. Yeah, and I suppose part of that is around the social contract, which I think we're going to come back to at a future point. I think. Um, yeah. So it's different when you've got a group of friends who know each other and everyone understands where you're coming from i think certainly when you're running that sort of game at a convention you well certainly i when i start running something like um cthulhu hat for example i say you know look this game it deals with issues of mental health and insanity and those sort of things and if that's something you find difficult you know we we have an x card it is going to come up in the same way as actual you know extreme violence is going to come in most role-playing games i've ever been involved in um if that's not something you're interested in then that perhaps this that particular game might not be the one for you yeah okay so i suppose we can come back to humour in games in the second half of the conversation but I wanted to touch on humorous games and then it's humour in games mm. and I mean humorous games in mean, my experience of them 
probably fairly limited. I mean, I, I'd say it was paranoia was was my clean experience. What about anybody else? Anyone got any different things they've played? So-called funny games. I would probably say um, Tales of Aquaria, which is the My Little Pony role-playing game. If you're playing it with adults, it is it is all humour. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, you're always fun. You're playing a pony. There, it's not going to be a serious game. You know, you can have things like quirks. Like, so one of the quirks can actually be makes fun out of things. Okay. Um, and things like that. So it is a deliberately silly game. And if you go into it too seriously, you you're going to kind of fail a bit, really, to be honest. So. For me, I'd say Tails is probably the one I've played the most at club as one shot. And I've always found everyone walks away laughing and has a good time during the game with a lot of laughter. But is, is that explicit? Because I've never even looked at it to my shame. I know it's, it's, on, my, it's on my buy list for the future. But is that is that something that the game is explicit about? It's it's meant to be funny. So, for example, a game like Toon is yeah. explicitly this is about, you know, being ha-ha funny and it's a humorous game. It, it certainly does say that everyone is there to have fun at the table. The way it's all set up, because it's quite cartoonish, it, but it's um, set up in a similar vein, I think, to a lay for comedy moments. Right. The main main bulk of the game actually is friendship is magic, so you're supposed to work together and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. But there's a lot of humor in it. Yeah. I mean, you can't place anything too serious, you know, when you're, I think, a bit like paranoia to a certain point you know the paranoia i find is more gallows humor quite often but you know it's a big part of the game massive part of the game yeah i think paranoia is one that we i think we may all have had experience of at some point i mean that i did play one game of paranoia that was the first grog meet and it just immediately descended into people actually sort of shooting within five minutes which is basically seems to be what happened. i mean my main experience of a game like that would be tunnels and trolls yeah. i mean i do like tnt quite apart from the fact you can flex to be kind of serious but i certainly i've played things like say, uncle ugly's underground that's the one with the um, the trolls in zoot suits and marvelists <laughs> in violin cases i haven't come across that one oh it is huge fun if the players actually buy into it but I think, I mean, I'm, I'll go with, unfortunately, I, I do actually go with Lou Pulsifo, who said very few players in the UK play D&D in serious ways. Yeah. Um, I think TNT just throws up his hands and says, OK, fair enough, if you want to do it like this, let's do it yeah. like this. But it is. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, I think TNT is very reflective of the uh, of the creator. I mean, having listened to interviews with him, he he sounds like he's a guy who enjoys a laugh in a very particular way. But yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and the players really played up Mm. to it. The fact they did actually did they try and actually tease the demon that's got about one billion dice or something like that just to see what would happen because this is a one shot and you never know and it was it was huge it was a great laugh but it's one of those ones for a campaign i think that's the thing isn't it really i I think we can all agree that the games we play we all enjoy and if you're enjoying something there'll be humor there because it's fun and hopefully you enjoy the company of the people that you're playing with but as you say there are games which are explicit so 
not explicit in that way, but explicit in a humorous way. Yeah. So paranoia, Ooh. as you say, that's one where essentially you are trying to just kill each other. I've played paranoia and run paranoia back in the pre-deep freeze. And as a GM, I just enjoyed it because I get to got to kill all the players. And it seemed like it was more fun for me as the GM to tease the players rather than it was for to actually playing. I suppose there's limited enjoyability for, for that, really. Ooh. You know. So I've got no experience at all of games that you would categorise as funny. I've never played Toon or Tunnels and Trolls or Paranoia. Mm. And I suppose one of the things I reflected on was, so I used to go into Games Workshop and I'd see the games in the boxes like Paranoia and Toon and Dinosaurs and Cadillacs. And I would say, I don't want that. That just does not grab me. And I wouldn't say, and those of you who've played with me, I hope would agree, is that I wouldn't say I'm a deeply serious person. Uh, <laughs> about, oh, you, you do yourself a disservice, Martin. <laughs> about, about, around the gaming table. I just, for some reason, they never grabbed me at all. And that's not to say the games mm. I was running and playing weren't full of humour. But the idea of playing a game that is set up deliberately to provide a, a, a funny milieu, I don't know, it just didn't grab me at all. And I don't, I don't I know think why. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there, Mark. The biggest issue I had with Paranoia, and to an extent, I guess, Toon as well, is that if you have to force the humour out of a situation, mm. I think you've either got to be very confident that you are a funny person mm. and possibly a funny GM, or there has to be some premise behind it that everybody can absolutely buy into. Mm. And the, the times I've played Paranoia, I just sort of thought, well, okay, yeah, it can be funny, you know, but this, it's kind of one joke, as you said, Steve. It's like, right, I, I'm going to kill you now. Uh, okay. <laughs> yes. For the, for the third time. Uh, okay. And the, the premise of it, I didn't think was quite that good. I haven't come across any of those games that would work well as a, as a campaign or a series uh, I think that one shot is pretty much all you get with it that's my opinion I think that something like Paranoia it unleashes that player versus player thing which for most RPGs that's definitely usually the game isn't it because it causes bad feeling really um, but I think actually for a one shot it's just a bit of a laugh but I think I think it just goes to show that, I mean, if you said, can you list me tabletop role-playing games, there are endless. Can you list me humorous tabletop role-playing games? They're very, very few. I think the one that, interestingly, that has got most longevity behind it has been the Ghostbusters game from West End Games, because although that was based on a funny film, they took the funny premise and turned it into something serious. So although you had stupid stuff happening in the game, actually you, you built your franchise as a member of Ghostbusters and you you know you created your base and you, you developed new gear and that sort of thing. And although crazy stuff could happen, it wasn't it wasn't forced. It was more akin to probably what we would do in most other games. So almost that turned the the comedy element on its head. The, the reason why I don't think you'll, you'll find so many humorous games written is that humor is very subjective mm. on time as well as the people. So something that was written in the 80s, somebody reading it now may not find that funny because those in-jokes no longer exist. Well, so, they do for us, because we still live in the 80s. I mean, you don't, Kat, yeah. but the rest of us still live in the 80s. I, I, yeah, I, I, in the 80s, I was very small, so no, I wouldn't have remembered it. I'm sorry. Um, so the, the sense of humour is very difficult for people to buy into if it's not of their sort of era, as yeah. it were. So I think that's why humorous games don't, always works so well i mean even now too i love it because i remember watching cartoons as a kid on a saturday morning and i love that world that madcapness but younger players at club don't get that sort of random violence cartoon <laughs> violence because it doesn't exist so much in their cartoons anymore yeah. you know you don't generally have somebody shoving a bomb in somebody's pants and running off they have a slightly different humor now so it's one of those really weird things that's why i just don't think that humorous games 
survive particularly well. Yeah, Unless they've got something like Ghostbusters where you've got a franchise that you can build on. As I say, one shot, you, you buy the stuff, you play it, yeah. and then it's on eBay, pretty much. I mean, interestingly, yeah. Ghostbusters goes for up to £100 or thereabouts on eBay, whereas you can pick up Paranoia for 10 quid. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know what that yeah. says. roundly poo-pooed the idea of humorous games that yeah okay why not bit of fun but novelty i mean when when you we have played a humorous game what when has it worked has it again always been down to the chemistry of the players i think partly it's chemistry of the players i mean feng shui if you've got a group of people for a one shot who are all on the same page particularly if you're doing that kind of montage into the type of uh, kung fu films Mm. then that is just hilarious from start to finish because you're not going to take it too seriously and you're willing to do in jokes that go with it and it, it it's always good fun but i think it is the chemistry of the players as long as you're all on the same page and you can start to rift off of each other, mm. other and know you trust that it's not going to go too stupid or too far mm. then i think then that's when it becomes hilarious and it, it does become a humorous game I was wondering if it's also something about genre, because, I mean, there is a great podcast, Rule of Three, which is about comedy, and one of the people on that said the funniest thing you could ever hear is a joke shared with a sibling at the back row of a funeral. <laughs> yeah. Because it's it's got that transgressive thing, but it's also someone who will get all the references, yes. everything that's there. I think there's something, it's like Kat said, about shared references, but also about a genre that Everybody knows, everyone knows the mm. tropes, everyone mm. knows the kind of things that turn up. So everyone's on the same page of that, and everyone can play up mm-hmm. to this is what's supposed to happen. And then you've got the thing where suddenly you make sure it doesn't mm. happen. Something very strange mm. happens that's completely yeah. against it. So Boot Hill, Cowboys, you could I've, definitely play. Yeah, I was just, I was just absolutely going yeah. to say that that idea of archetypes and you you all knowing the archetypes mm. as a group. And so I'm running down Dark Trails as well, or have mm. been recently, until recently. And yeah, it's great because everyone knows the cowboy archetypes. And yeah. you can really have a huge amount of fun with you know, the one-armed gunslinger and uh, the drunken sheriff and all those sort of characters. And the crazy old prospector and crazy the mountain old prospector, man. Or something, exactly. Yeah. And I would say... Authentic frontier gibberish. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And You're really blazing saddles territory, <laughs> aren't you? Yeah. And, and I would say also, because uh, the other games I you know run occasionally are sort of superhero games. And I think superheroes, okay. if you play it in a kind of much more League of Legends than mm. Arrow... So no. it's it's much more kind of slightly camp, four and, colour sort yeah. of setup. Yeah, if you, if you play it like that, and you've got your you know your sort of monologuing supervillains and shrink shrink mm. rays, expando rays, time travel, and mm. you know wormholes, it's huge. Okay, I, I think I think it's interesting actually, as, as Martin, Rick, I think everybody's cats saying as well. It, it is that sort of. And I think I've found it quite difficult sometimes to get really sort of involved in a group. I find it very difficult to make a 
a new group of people. And I think some of it is is actually now you think about it is that is to do with that age difference. Yeah. You know, typically, I'm probably at, towards the older end of the spectrum of people sort of getting together. Yeah. And therefore, as I think Martin was talking about in particular, is that you get those references. And, and I think Rick, you said it too. You get the references instantly and you pick it yes. up yeah. in, in that sort of time. Yeah. So the humour almost necessarily comes out of the fact that you are all singing off the same hymn sheet, is it? Yeah. It's it's not forced at all, then, is it? You get the references. I mean, we all breathe the same air, don't we, in terms of films that we like and the games we play. It's not anything when you're having conversation with people who they see the world differently to you. I think that's always much harder, isn't it? Okay, all right. So I think it's probably worth just moving on to, you know, humour in games. I think, you know, Dave, that was the original prompt for you. Is it about humour or is it about what we see as acceptable in games? I think the reason why I sort of brought it up Mm. was not not necessarily because of any, any sort of latent criticism mm. that anybody was going to come out with. Actually, how, how, if people were sort of describing what they do, you know, in terms of uh, when they give you the, the sort of the praise of what's gone on in the game, what the story elements were, yeah. some of the incidents that happened. But the, I think for me, the reason why I come back to it time after time is actually because inevitably at some stage in the night, you just have two or three really... Mm-hmm laugh out loud mm. moments that you can't you can't necessarily explain to anybody out of out of the no. game as i as i demonstrated earlier. <laughs> but but also it does rely a little bit on those tropes it does rely on everybody getting in there but it, they're usually at times of very very high tension mm. within the mm. game you know nobody finds it intrinsically funny that spent three days trekking across the plains and oh here comes another random encounter it's usually when you're building up you know the tension's building up to a sort of a big moment where you're hoping and particularly i play lots of call of cthulhu or related games and you're hoping that tension builds and builds and builds and then you come to the the payoff and inevitably somebody cracks a joke and the reason for sort of bringing it up was it seems very very counterintuitive you get to this this is the action and you'd think everybody would be very serious but my experience is actually then that's the bit when everybody starts having you know a laugh i was just interested to see if other people's experience and whether it is yeah. another, it's, it's one of the big central reasons why I think I come back to games a lot. Okay, so let's think about when humour, well, let's say levity rather than humour, or but perhaps it doesn't work in games. So think it's it's a fine line, isn't it? So so your Pelagir uh, game, so the your game you're running the Second Age, Rick, which I wasn't fortunate enough to play playing on. But if somebody had come to you with a character and called him Bob or Robin mm-hmm. or something, and you'd spent a huge amount of time creating the background story. I mean, how would you have felt? Well, he wouldn't have let it happen in the first instance. I don't know. I think maybe with that one, basically everyone would be on the same yes. page in that yeah. game, particularly, I think, for that yeah. game, because it would, yeah, it required a certain kind of... A level of knowledge of uh, Tolkien law. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. So I think in that case, it wouldn't happen. It's just some people are just kind of wandering by, and I remember there was a game I was I, I played in of Numenera when one character was called Clive the Violent, <laughs> and I think it's funny when you say no. it like that. <laughs> yeah, it, but yeah, they, you know, oh yeah, I do a disservice. It was called Violent. <laughs> that sounded somehow better. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, like, yeah. that's the thing. We're all laughing now, but yeah. the, tr- the trouble is for the poor yeah. guy that was running that's the game. It, isn't it? Mm. Particularly yeah. maybe a game like Numenera, which is all about setting, yeah. which mm. is all about something that's completely yeah. weird. I mean that that would yeah that would annoy yeah. me because it really it's not funny in that yes. sense. You're just being a bit yeah. of an ass. I think that's it. I think when you as a player in that game, anything that breaks immersion. But I, I can imagine I would find that 
quite hard. And, and as a GM, like you said, Dave, sometimes you you try and bring to a, a certain level of tension. You almost you've got a script that you run into in your head, and you get to that point, and then someone makes a joke because you've pitched it to such a, a degree that somebody has to make a joke. It's like you were saying, at the funeral, people mm. laugh mm. because it's, it's tension-releasing. Yeah. It, I suppose it's, if it goes too far and, and the joke goes on a little bit too long. So a little bit of humour at that point is absolutely fine. But if you've got maybe a player who is trying to essentially derail the game by being stupid. That analogy about immersion, I think, is a good one. So you could argue, I guess, or you could say that a, a joke when it's really tense in the way that Dave was talking about it, you've come up for a breath of air, whereas the joke that goes on too long is you've got out of the pool. So that kind of immersion does work, but you can't break it for too long. Yeah, I do feel that particularly if you're playing uh, horror games, um, Call of Cthulhu or Cult, Vampire, you know, if you're building it up, you will find somebody will make a joke right at mm. a peak of it. And that is just purely because as a human reaction, as you say, like a funeral, mm. you, you make a joke or something to try and, almost calm yourself slightly so just generally if it's a one-off joke and it's just to do that i actually view it as quite a compliment as a gm that someone's had mm. to do that to mm. they are yeah. that on edge yeah. but then you very quickly just learn how to deviate that back into the game you yeah. know there's something about that joke i always use there's always i always try and listen to the joke when they first make it and then use something in it to pull them back in you know even if, but it, you know it's one of those things it's a tie-in but if you do get someone who's just continuously being a bit of a dick with a joke yeah. then yeah. that usually unfortunately I, I tend to deal with that with once we have a break for a drink or something i will pull that person aside and go are you having problems you know what, what's going on because you know it's not fair on the other players but thankfully I haven't had many of those I mean Pete you always get the people who not necessarily in game but just in life generally who are a bit of jokers and often it's either because they feel uncomfortable and they don't really know how to deal with it and that's you know one point or they're just messing around in which case, I suppose, feeling uncomfortable, you can manage people or work with people to get through that. If they're just messing and go, well, I, I don't think this game's for you necessarily, <laughs> you know, and it's sort of on your bike in the nicest possible way. Yeah. So we've we talked about when it does work. So, you know, it's attention releasing and then bringing, but getting people back into the game, that's absolutely fine. And we've talked about when, when it doesn't work. I mean, is that something that, that we're becoming more aware of with like X cards and that sort of thing? I would say that Call of Cthulhu 7th edition it addresses it head on. And there's some really intelligent writing in the Insanity mm. chapter about, mm. you know, how you should try and keep it separate from real world. And this is a, this is designed as a, it's a yeah. false exaggerated representation of the, the dreadful yeah. problems that some people have mm. with mental health issues. And I think that the, that certainly wasn't in any edition up until the seventh edition. Mm. There is an awareness now that you have to look at certain aspects of gaming mm. and be prepared to explain to your players what some of the game will involve. Like you were saying, Steve, where, you say, look, you know, it's a horror game. This is what's going to happen. Or so mm. my Fall of Delta Green game, I have to say, look, it's set in the Deep South in the 1960s. Uh, there's going to yeah. be racism. Now, I'm yeah. going to try and avoid as many uh, things as I possibly can, but the setting demands yeah. a certain amount of sort of very similitude. And you took pains up front to discuss that, but we certainly don't dwell on any of the points. It's almost part of the, the mm. background. And, and not necessarily a, a situation that's laden with humorous episodes either. And yet you, you had fun in it and it was fun and funny at times. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I mean, just, we, just, yeah, just, just not that aspect, just, yeah, like you said, but not that, not that aspect of it. <laughs> yeah. 
which no, yeah. and you know you, you strive to get that balance of sort of darkness but everyone's still enjoying themselves but i think if you're playing a cthulhu game and i think you know obviously i mean there are other games that deal with other more i mean for example cult k-u-l-t mm. that i mean that, I, i've never played it but there are plenty of games that deal with a, a, a broad range of transgressive issues mm. which um you know I, I, i'd probably be less comfortable playing with but certainly you know with call of cthulhu you know you're trying to tell a story in the vein of one of those cthulhu mythos stories and in those stories you know characters do suffer you know as a consequence of what's happened to them so that if you didn't have that in there it wouldn't be the same but as you say martin i think you know we're in a different era now from when the game is what 40 yeah. years old so that having been said though you do have games that are i mean really in your face like lamentations of the flame princess Look at some yeah. of the some of the sort of scenarios, some of the packaging oh. and the front covers, and you're thinking, okay, is this sort of carry on meets D and D? Seems to me like the laugh comes out of the game itself. I don't think there's any need to. I, be I that. Certainly, having played Lamentations quite a bit with uh, Neil with Old Scouts Role Play, I think you know the laughter there is is very much tension relieving because the, it's pretty unrelentingly grim yeah. stuff happens in that game. But yeah. you go into Lamentations knowing what you're going to get as you say it's 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 pretty much in your face i think it certainly wouldn't be for someone's first experience of, of role-playing yeah I, I, think, I think warhammer fantasy yeah. role-playing is, is another game where again it is unrelentingly grim but mm. very very funny mm. yeah it's, it's a sort of an odd it maybe that's a, as you said maybe actually the humor is not necessarily just humor. it's not the desperate urge to be funny it's tension relieving perhaps. i'd really like to talk about warhammer and warhammer fantasy roleplay because i think i still remember playing warhammer when you had the you know the miniature battles game and you would buy scenarios from games workshop and one was basically a retelling of macbeth yes um, and all the characters had like terribly punning names like the, the gang <laughs> yeah. of ents was called clinty's wood so clint eastwood yeah and, and <laughs> And obviously, I was, what, 14 or 15, and I just thought it was just hilarious. But that yeah. has carried on into Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, where a lot of the underlying things about the world are really, really darkly humorous. So I play with a bunch of German speakers. They absolutely love all the German puns. So all the names uh, of towns and characters in these games are all German puns. And right. the, the, which we Which, don't get. Unless, well, unless, unless you've German got a, a working knowledge of German. And they, they are just yeah. absolutely creased, doubled over with laughter when some character makes an appearance and the name is given. You know, the games yeah. master can barely choke it out. He's so laughing so much. <laughs> and so, but I suppose the, the thing is, we're playing it as well. I would be playing it as somebody who has no German at all, and I'd be solemnly intoning these words, and everyone would be going, "Yes, yes, yes." Whereas uh, someone who is, a, as you say, James, would be yeah. thinking, "How ridiculous!" But I think it's it's one of the things that attracted me to Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. But when I looked at what's the forty thousand equivalent, Wrath and Glory is the yeah. latest one, and that just didn't get me at all because that seemed there was it was no humour at all in that. There is uh, no humour in, <laughs> in that killing things, and so it? and so it's pretty it's unrelenting. So I just that just yeah. switched me off completely because at least Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay I think had like in in the darkness of like little veins of silver humour running all the way through, yeah, the sort of base yeah. rock. Of the of the grim, but that that came out of GW in the yeah. in the eighties, didn't I? I remember reading there at the Citadel Journal, which was their miniature catalogue, and, and they used to name all the miniatures, yes. and you had a load of uh, of slang, and they were called things like pint of milk a day or got a lot of bottles, <laughs> yes. was that, <laughs> which was 
utterly ridiculous. But as you say, 14-year-old me thought it was mm. brilliant. I, I don't know. I, th- I think we've pretty much, we've, we've touched on a lot of the things. So we've talked about players who maybe approach game trying to make too light of it. I, th- I think humour in games is inevitable because at the end of the day, we just, we enjoy it and it's fun and we laugh. Mm. And uh, if we didn't, yeah. if, we, if I was sitting around a table and everyone was sitting there completely po-faced and I'm thinking, do you know what? I'm just not, yeah. <laughs> this is not fun. And you need to be relaxed as well. I think as a GM, you need to, you need to let people have a laugh. And I think as if you're a less experienced GM and someone's laughing at that point where you've spent so much time trying to get people to, I think it's learning to let that go because actually that's part of the experience. Yeah, it is. It's all experience. Humour in games is definitely, both for a player and a storyteller, it, it, it is experience. Because as a player, you you honestly, you get far better at putting humour into your characters as you move on. And also know when to joke and when not to. And likewise, for storytellers, it's exactly the same um, different. I think if we come back to Dave's original point, which was you talked about something that happened in the game, particularly it was around you know insanity and somebody found that was a little bit offended i think that that you'd found that funny i think that's about being clear with your players up front about these are the topics we are going to discuss these are the topics going to be covered in this game i don't doubt that in a game like cult which is pretty grim from what i've heard i'm sure that people play when they're playing that even though they're touching on quite sensitive topics i'm sure they laugh as well you know because it's inevitable isn't it you're going to cover those topics tension's going to rise you're going to laugh you release it and it's going to go on again so i suppose you know it's almost it, it is being very upfront with your players about what topics you're going to cover that was interesting actually it wasn't it didn't go where i thought it was going to go <laughs> in terms of, uh, of, of subjects but uh, i think there's some some interesting stuff in there anyone got any final thoughts i think just touching on what we just said the idea of having a social contract with the players mm. because any game is basically a social construction mm. it's built by the players and it's built around the players so if you've got that little community you know each other you know what works you know what you like and you also know kind of what's acceptable and what isn't so yeah. when you actually have got a group and you know each other that's when it it hums along nicely the mm. trick if it's a conventional mm. something where you don't know the players that's where things get awkward yeah. If you've got that little community, that little group of people, then it can work fine. It's not a problem. I, no, I, I think I think that's actually that's a that's a very very good point. I think what's changed and and changed for the better from when you know back in the eighties when we sort of started playing is you said you know, there was lots of that schoolboy humour and you know silliness within it. You, as, as you said, you, you you kind of built up a. a, a sort of a social contract with the people that you've owned for a very long time. But one of the things I think has really worked well is this idea of being quite explicit about what the social contract is when you game now, you know, whether it's at a convention or whether you, it's a, a new group of people getting together. And, yeah. you, and you can, and, and actually it's quite, I think it's quite, quite liberating actually to be able to say, look, these are the things that are going to happen. These are the things that are not. And then everybody mm. gets the opportunity to say, as you said, where are my X cards? Where are my... Mm. X moment, and um, I think it allows the games and you as a games master to be a bit more open and uh, and a bit less constrained, I guess. But and I think perhaps I mean, something I've just just listening to you, David, is that something that else has changed. I think from when we were well, certainly when I was like a fifteen-year-old schoolboy sniggering over puns in Games Workshop, is the hobby <laughs> has made great strides in terms of inclusivity. And yeah. I think if yeah. you're going to, if you want inclusivity then the, the narrow sick form sense of humor that perhaps some of the games that we used to play when we were in the sick form or there or thereabouts 
has had to yeah. change and again i agree for the better and if, if the hobby yeah. is going to become more inclusive and maybe humor in games does need talking about more often because it can be a divisive thing as whether uh, as well as a united thing if the social contract goes wrong so mm. yeah I, t- I think maybe that's something as well that has had to change. Yeah, you're right. It, it, it's absolutely something that needs to be to be talked about. But uh, any final thoughts from uh, from you, Kat, before we uh, before we sign off? I agree with with Richard and Dave that you know social contracts are one of the best things that have come out of gaming just recently because they have made it so much easier for convention games to get people all on the same page before you start running that game and allowing a bit more humour as well because people know that it's a safer place to have a laugh. Yeah, you know, point, they're not yeah. going to go anywhere horrible or they're not going to be mocked. And mm. you know, that does help everybody so much. Mm. Yeah. So, I think it's one of the best things that has come out recently. Really, I do. Yeah. That and Tales of Equestria. Obviously. Okay. Well, I was, was going to say, when, when are you going to GM this uh, My Little Pony game? That'd be uh... more than happy to. It's a great laugh. I think you should put it up for, do it, at least do a one shot, Cat. Oh, yeah, I, I presume yeah. You, you, you'll take the reins oh. for, the, for the main for the, for the main yeah. event. Uh, You're for the high <laughs> jump. That's all I can say. Do, do, you, do you plan out the scenarios, or is it all sort of on the hoof? <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> right, okay. I think on that note, Cheers, take it Steve. easy. See you bye soon. Bye. Cheers. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to another exploration of my gaming vexes. If you've got any thoughts you'd like to add to what you've heard here, or a gaming vex of your own you'd like to offer up for discussion, you can contact me on Twitter, at AllAnthar, or you can leave a voice message. The link's on the podcast webpage on Anchor, or can be found in the show notes. Until the next time, may all your games be free of vexatiousness, and be excellent to each other, always.